thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the awesome, with the amazing Wellness Guys co-host and Wellness Couch co-host, Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, Damo? Oh, great. Thanks, EP. Gee, it's wonderful. I love hearing you introduce me every single time. It gets me excited. I'll tell you what, I'm pumped today. got to tell you, oh. what a big day. I tell you, Damo, you know those um, how-to books for dummies? You know, like Microsoft Word for dummies and so on. (laughs) I own a few of them, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're very popular because we all need to learn. But our next guest literally wrote the dummies guide on how to live longer. It wasn't wasn't filled with anti-aging wrinkle creams, Botox, laser therapies, and the latest superfood and the rest. It was based on... (laughs) Timeless principles uh, that continue to keep not only this man in great shape, but millions of other people around the world. I'm speaking of Dr. Walter Bortz, who is a clinical associate professor of medicine at Stanford University. He's the author of numerous books, including one of my favorites, The Roadmap to 100, uh, We Live Too Short and Die Too Long, Dare to Be 100, Diabetes Danger, uh, and many more. Um, Dr. Bortz, Damo, he's been uh, good enough to join us from uh, America today. And Dr. Walter Bortz, thank you so much for joining 100 Not Out. It's great to reach out to you guys. Well, so now, it's, uh, it's a big thing. I was actually in San Francisco the other day, and I should have I should have organized this because I was in Palo Alto, which is obviously where you are. And I'm sh- looking down on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, but I should have just knocked on your door and said g'day. I'm so sorry that I missed that opportunity because it would have been wonderful to, to have met you in the flesh. But we've got a great interview lined up with you today, and we're wanting to find out all, you know the secrets and you know the whole idea of this podcast is to inspire generations to age appropriately and to age well and not to fear aging and i think your the work that you do helps people uh drop a bit of that fear which is great so thank you well privilege guys um well to just the first question is what started your fascination with aging well and longevity well i was an only son of an old doctor who had a precocious interest in aging back in the 1950s and i learned as his son that getting old is inevitable. It's 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 you can't get away from it, but it's very negotiable. Is my current word. How you age is up to you, not to anything else. Sure. And so, just to for our listeners, because I think I know a part of this story. But your father passed away when you were in your thirties. I think you were thirty-nine, and you were suffering from depression. And from what I've learned, you started running to almost help with that depression. Is that correct? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I I was thirty-nine and. Father was my alpha and omega figure. I grew up being his son, and when he died, I was bereft. I couldn't sleep, work, think. I was a son who just lost his dad. And that's not uncommon, but I rescued myself by three things. First, I started to run, and I'm about to run my 43rd consecutive annual marathon. (laughs) Second, we moved to California. And the third, I became a geriatrician. So all of those were balm for my injured soul. Wow. Wow. Damo, isn't that amazing to hear? Because so many people that that are depressed uh, are on antidepressants, 
And what Walter's just saying there is rather than taking the antidepressants, he was out of the garage and off and running. You can't use well, that's a pill. That's the best to... antidepressant there is. Yeah, well, that's right. You can't, you can't take a pill to cure you. You've got to actually take control, which is what Walter's done, which I love. You know what's inspiring about that? And uh, I'm 39 at the moment, Walter. Um, I'm happy to share that with everybody. You're still pre-menopausal. Then. I'm, I'm still pre-andropausal. <laughs> that's correct. And, I'm, <laughs> and one of the things that inspires me is that you started running then. I've never run a marathon. I've done a lot of running, but I've never run a marathon. But to hear that you can start in your late 30s to go and run marathons and you've run your 43rd consecutive, uh, that, that must inspire many people and it certainly inspires me well Bortz's law says it's never too late to start but it's always too soon to stop that's a great what law. a law great law well Walter uh, having said that of um, as I say I'm a massive fan of uh, one book in particular of yours the roadmap to 100 can you share the story of your wife because you were just saying that uh, it's never too late to start from what I know, your wife started running, well, like really running at 46. Um, I don't want to give away the punchline, but can you share with people what your wife did as a result of the influence that you were creating in your family? Well, you know, I started to run, as we said, when I was just 40, and I was out running around the neighborhood in my underpants, and my wife thought that was not very <laughs> dignified. But we then went to Nepal and climbed to 22,000 feet, and when we came back, we were in great shape, and my wife having previously smirched my running, said, I'm not going to lose this. So she started to run. <laughs> and I don't care about time, but she runs to win. So she started to run competitively, and she has now won the Boston Marathon when she was 60 and 70. <laughs> and she ran when she was 80 last year and wow. was beaten by another 80-year-old. Wow. So and she's, she and I are both doing Boston in 10 weeks. That's amazing. And um, just tell me if this is true. I'm pretty sure I read this. Did your wife start when she was 46? This is rude. Did she run, start running uh, with a friend, got up to running a 10K fun run, and ended the year by doing a 100-mile rail trail run all in 12 exactly months? Exactly right. The 100-mile race is known as the Western States 100. And when I learned about it, I said I could more easily believe there are McDonald's stands on the moon, <laughs> then people could do this. But it just is a vivid testimonial to what the human potential is. And my favorite philosopher, William James, said we live lives inferior to ourselves. Our capacities are so far out there beyond what we give ourselves credit for. And this 100-mile race is testament to that. And I think achieving greatness, um, I suppose, uh, after the years of 40 and 50 is testament to that as well, isn't it, Damo? Because we're often interviewing people that are doing things. I mean, Walter's a perfect example who are doing things that many people would say, well, you can't do that at your age. You can't do that um, if you're 60 or 70 or 80. And I suppose what you're just sharing there, Walter, is that age is no excuse, age is no barrier. Uh, you can do conquer amazing feats uh, no matter what your age. There's no excuses. Well, you, of course, in down Aussie land have a national treasure in Maria Fiataroni and her husband. And they're over there at the University of Sydney, and they are perhaps the leading exponents of this whole philosophy. Maria, when she was at Harvard, did this study with 90-year-olds. And they were feeble and everything. She said, it's not because they're 90, because they've been sitting around. That's right. So she got them trained up, and they started racing around the block and jumping over the moon. <laughs> so Maria Fiataroni is your local resource down there, and she's precious. Well, we'll, we might, we'll have to speak to her. We'll um, 
So, Walter, for people that are learning about what you do, um, a, a lot of your, I suppose, perspective is that movement, uh, and in your case, running, is vital to ageing well, to having both quality and quantity of life. Can you share some of that for us? Of course. Uh, but but it's not, I, I do not like to be slotted as a marathon runner. I, it really is movement. And one of my favourite observations is that the devil can't, hit a moving target. I'm always out there, and he's aiming at me, but being fit is armor. It insulates you from all sorts of life's indignities, including probably Alzheimer's disease. Now, I was slow to acknowledge that, but now there's increasing evidence that the best protection against dementia is fitness. Mm, so go, go do it. That's incredible. Walter, I'm a chiropractor. I'm not sure if you know that. And uh, I love my profession. It's fantastic. One of the things that uh, we see a lot is people coming in at different ages and we x-ray their spine. We have a look. We put it up on the, on the x-ray uh, reader. We check it out. And sometimes people have spines that uh, are well beyond their years. Like they're very old spines, even though they are young, uh, chronologically. Uh, and sometimes people come in and they're um, aged with birthday candles, um, but inside their body, Biologically, it's very, very young. Their spine looks fantastic, and you go, "Wow, this is this is amazing." Quite clearly, it's not the age that determines the aging process; it's other things. And recently, you had all your vitals tested, and you came back thirty years younger than your chronological well, age. Actually, Maria did that in Sydney. Right. I I got on her treadmill, and I was huffing and puffing. Yeah. And I got through, and she said, "Walter, you're fifty. I'm actually eighty-two. <laughs> but but it, it, fitness is a thirty-year age offset." Yeah. A fit person of 80 is as an unfit person of 50. There and that's not heredity, it's not doctors, it's not pills, it's just living up to your biologic potential. I really hope people hear that loud and clear, Damo. I want to replay that. In fact, I would like to use that little piece as part of our promo okay. for the whole of the 100 Not Out. I think that's fantastic. It's just move it or lose it all the way. That's it. Now, Walter, you, um, obviously there's a lot of people around, a lot of experts around in the world that say... There's a life expectancy. I've heard before that the life expectancy is about 120, and you also believe that it's about 120. That's um, correct. And, and so the, the point you make here is it's not disease generally. I mean, it can be, obviously, but it's not disease that always takes people's life. You think that it's disuse as opposed to disease. Is that correct? Exactly correct. Thank you for making that point. Mm -hmm. I, I think that most of what people pretend is disease, which is some external device, is not. It's simply our RPMs are set too low. We need our RPMs at a certain level. Yeah. I wrote an, uh, an essay called Exercise and Fitness as the Oboes A. Now, I'm a symphony buff, and I like going into the symphony. And before the concert starts, all the fiddlers and the drummers and the horn players are up there bleeding and beating. And then the concertmeister comes out, and the oboe plays A. And everything comes into harmony, and that's what exercise is. All the genes of all the cells are listening for the oboe's A. And when you're fit, everything coheres. When you're not fit, everything goes to hell. It's just a question of which leak comes first. Walter, my next question is on uh, relationships. How long have you and Ruth been married for? 60 years. Damo, 60 years. That's a fair effort, isn't it? That's amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations, Walter. I, I condolences, to... sir. 
Congratulations. <laughs> that's congratulations for sure. That's I mean, that's impressive. I've seen YouTube videos of you and Ruth running together, and I know she's keeping you on your toes, so it's uh, definitely congratulations. Um, but, Walter, you dedicate a whole chapter in uh, Roadmap to 100 about the importance of uh, an active sex life and sexuality in the aging process. Now, for a lot of people, they associate a sexual uh, drive in their teens and their 20s and their 30s. And I think a lot of people know that it's wise to have a, a great sex life as you age. But what can you share with us about the role of sexuality over the course of an aging life? Well, as a physician, I look at a body in a very physical fashion and see what does a body do. It really does three things. It thinks, it moves, and it makes love. It does other things, but they support those three basic functions. Well, thinking, then you got to read a book every week. It moves, you got to walk a mile a, a day, and it makes love. you got to make love or have some sensual encounter several times a week. So you get a point a day for each of those. Mm-hmm. So a point a day, seven days, that's a 21-point week. But, you know, that's not enough. So the body is necessary but insufficient. So what's a body for? And that's where I really emphasize is the body's purpose is to be necessary. And I learned that from my granddaddy, Bortz. He says, go make yourself necessary. And as a kid, that didn't speak to me. But now at 83, I have to be necessary. So these other biologic functions of movement and thinking and sex serve the body, but the body is to be served only to be valuable. So you, I have a, an embracing philosophy. So you you outlining there that you're not saying that one has to be sexually active their whole life. You're talking more about being necessary and that they have to be doing something that makes them feel loved and important and like they're contributing to society. I mean, is that a way for expressing love from what you're saying there? Of course. It, it's not intercourse necessarily. It's caring for your neighbor's pet. It's it's loving your environment. It's uh, it's the ecology of life. And the ecology of life is sensuous, and we cannot diminish that. And we must keep our sense organs up. We must keep our sight and our hearing and everything else intact. It's um, it's one very nice to hear that, and two very disappointing as a male, but uh, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say you need to have sex seven times a week, Walter, and... Uh, and oh, that's eight, eight. Eight, thanks, Walter, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, dear, well, you need a lot of food to be able to perform to that level, I'm sure, but Walter, what do you uh, what do you eat on a daily basis? What is it? What's your secret to uh, doing what you're doing? Obviously, we know movement, but from a food point of view, many people do things differently. Do you have any kind of nail biters or clinches? takeaway messages here? I was on the Today Show, and Brian Cumble said, what's the right diet? And I come back and said, for what degree of movement? Yeah. If you're a marathon runner, you can eat lard, because <laughs> you burn it off. That's true. It, most, very few of us are that physically active, so I say that the lot of the rest of us is as zoo animals. We were born free on the Serengeti, but now we all exist beyond these cultural bars and our keeper comes through and throws some slop through the bars periodically. So we are at risk of being inactive. Yeah. But the right dietary advice is to be active. And then it, it, uh, activity covers up a lot of sinning, I guess is my word. Yeah, can I, I'd be fascinated to ask you about this because, again, uh, from, from what I've learned from you, I know you're very big on um, a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. Uh, Absolutely. 
but in the same in the same uh, language, if people are eating, I mean, I know in America the Jim Fix, um, was it the Jim Fix story? Was it Jim Fix who was a big runner, but his diet was terrible, and he ended up dying of a heart attack in his fifties? I suppose my question is, do you still believe that if you are active, then it's still important to eat natural foods rather than the the conglomerate of processed foods that are on the market today? Because I know there's. I'm not at all sure. I'm not at all sure of that. I, I I am not not a cynic or skeptic, but I believe if you're really physically active, that the natural food movement is overblown. Now I'm I'm on the on a limb on that, but I still feel that being fit conquers all. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, Damo, we've spoken to Tommy Hafey, we've spoken to Dexter up in uh, Queensland, and both of those guys, uh, Tommy eats ice cream every day, and Dexter, Dexter coffee at midnight. a coffee at midnight, and uh, <laughs> two hot chocolates a day, and right. both made us realise or wonder, yeah, that uh, is uh, the uh, the 100% perfect diet overstated in many senses, but um, Walter, obviously in your experience, you believe that, yeah, the importance of uh, 100% clean diet is um, overblowing it somewhat. I believe so, but I'm a good friend of Ron Clark's, and whatever he would advise you, I would defer to. <laughs> you mean Ron Clark, the Australian uh, athlete? Oh, the, the great, maybe the, the great. greatest runner of all time. Yeah, the great. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting because I often talk about you could eat 1,300 calories of cake every day, or you could eat 1,300 calories that's of great good start. food. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to run 30 miles tomorrow morning and you're all right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's good. Um, it's, you know, one of the things as people age, they get told that they shouldn't lift, you know, lift weights and do all those sorts of things. And um, obviously you've blown that to pieces. People should be lifting weights. They should be moving around. They should be active and, um, and they should keep their muscles in great tact. That's the secret, it seems, um, to your aging well and the people that you actually uh, speak to and, and 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 educate around the world. Of course, how do we how do we get this myth reversed? How do we educate the masses on the need to maintain resistance based exercise? Well, uh, how do you change behavior? That's about six Nobel prizes. My quick <laughs> slick answer is: first is education, yes. the second is opportunity, and the third is imperative. We should make it cheaper to be healthy than it is to be sick. And I think you in Australia are ahead of us in America. You have better social services than we do. I remember being in Alice Springs, and I went in there and I said, how are you doing? They said, we're about to go broke. I said, you can't go broke. I said, but the Aborigines are coming into town and they're all on dialysis because they're not taking care of themselves. Well, what did they do? They said, go take care of yourself. It's a lot cheaper to be healthy than it is to be sick. That's a great point. Great point. I suppose this leads me to my next question. You've sat on a lot of boards. You've advised a lot of uh, governments. You've, um, I see here you're past co-chairman of the AMA's task force on ageing. I've seen and I've read some of your views on, I suppose, the over-medication of the ageing population. There's a lot of people out there, Walter, that are they're on medications that I suppose from what we've learned here and what you've been talking about, they don't necessarily need to be on. I know you've got some quite strong views on this. Can you just share where you sit right now in terms of how, I suppose, uh, uh, political parties and uh, big pharmaceuticals are actually um, advising and leading the ageing process for people? Well, at my first lecture in medical school in 1951, you guys were still... 30 years before I was born. That time. <laughs> yeah. So I was in medical school and then my professor said, I've done a lot more good 
by stopping medicine and by starting medicine. I'm 83 years old, and I don't take any pills. I don't believe in them. I think they're dangerous. The best doctor is the doctor who doesn't prescribe medicine. And I think that, by and large, and I just wrote a book called Next Medicine, in which I indict our entire profession as a whorehouse. It it wants you to be sick because it can then fix you because we get paid to fix you, repair you. We don't get paid to keep you well. We need to change that around. So you've got a whole new view on almost how to restructure the medical profession. I mean, that's a phenomenal statement, what you're just saying. Um, But what you're saying essentially is to tell a patient, and, and we speak about this a lot in our own practices, but to speak to a patient and say, you know what, you need to go for a run. You don't need this blood pressure medication or this uh, cholesterol medication, you actually need to work on your lifestyle. Again, there's no money in that from an advice perspective. How do you see this reshaping uh, what uh, GPs and Ds uh, in America actually do on a daily basis? Well, I'm hoping that by the year 2200, we can shut (laughs) all the hospitals, (laughs) shut all the cemeteries, And there's some other adjacent materials I'd like to shut down, too. But if we would only take care of ourselves, that's, to me, the bottom line. We're waiting out of our corner of our eyes for somebody to come along and give us a nipple to suck on. There ain't no nipple. We are our shepherd. Wow. Okay. So, again, I am a highly optimistic individual. I am curious, is this something that you've actually spoken about with, I mean, no doubt you've obviously spoken about it with colleagues, but how do your colleagues, as you say, you've probably almost semi-ostracized yourself from your profession with a lot of your views, but how do you actually deal with this with your own colleagues that um, are more than happy to take a kickback and a check each week for prescribing pills on a daily basis? Well, they all say, Walter, you're wonderful, but you're wishful. Yeah. What do you do with the word wishful? So I have, I have a PowerPoint now in which I visualize the kid in Tiananmen Square staring down the tank, and under it I put wishful. And that tank is turned around and the kid's still standing tall. How powerful is that? So if I'm wishful, so be it. Because it's right. It may take a while. I mean, all all good ideas take whiles. But, But I feel very confident this whole idea of health instead of disease and prevention instead of repair is correct. Uh, Walter, I've got one more question. Dom, are you okay if I hop in here? Oh, yep. I just, I, yeah, I actually feel a bit, you know, emotional. It's actually incredible. I'm loving it. Go for gold. Um, Walter, this is absolute gold. We really appreciate your time. I've got a couple of questions. Someone walks into your, to your practice, they say, uh, Dr. Bortz, uh, I'm scared that I'm going to get Alzheimer's. Uh, my mom's got Alzheimer's. My dad's got Alzheimer's. What do I do? What do you say to people these days? Because there's a lot of people scared about this, and it's a massive problem in Australia. Well, we become what we do. If I'm in charge of me, there is now enough knowledge to live to 100. 100 is our birthright. If, we, if we're derelict, that is our fault, and I don't want somebody paying for that. On the other hand, if, there, if we read the scripture, and the scripture of how to live to a hundred is now known, that's one of the great enlightenments in human history. And I feel very, very happy to be alive at this time. Carl Sagan said understanding is a form of ecstasy. So I'm, if I'm a little overblown in this, 
That's because I'm giddy. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, amazing. When you refer to the scripture, what were you referring to, Walter? Everything. You just talked about all the the knowledge that we have today. All the metaphysics, people. Health was owned by the church for thousands of years. That's true. Until until Pasteur came along and said, no, no, it's not sin, it's a bug. It's a bug. So then, unfortunately, medicine rushed in to fill that vacuum. Mm. Now we think that medicine's in charge, and the whole lie is that only we are in charge. And we're very fortunate now to be knowledgeable enough to live to be a hundred informed. Fate has been obscured by choice, and choice is ours. Yeah, so you're, you're big on giving people back responsibility of their own health. Absolutely so, sir. Yep. Um, Walter, if uh, I just want to say, if anyone, uh, and I gather everyone, will want to know more about what you do, the best place to go is to um, uh, www.walterbortz.com. That's www.walterbortz.com. Walter, I can't say thank you enough for your time today. You have been an Well, don't slow down, guys. You've got work to do out there. Tell you what, we've only just begun, haven't we, Damo? Yeah, we have. We've, you know, this is what, what a great kickoff. Um, Dr. Walter Bortz, many thanks for joining us in 100 Not Out, and uh, we look forward to learning more about you as the years go on. And may you reach 100 so easily. Oh, you're invited to the party. Ah, I'll be there. I cannot wait uh, to see you run, which will probably be your 60th, 60th or so marathon in that year, won't it? Oh, of course. Well done. Dr. Walter Bortz joining us there. Damo, what an episode, hey? Oh, my gosh. That's just incredible. Some of that information, that content. I'm gonna be, this is the one that I will play back in my car while I'm running, <laughs> while I'm out there. This is the one. I'm taking this interview to the – this is everywhere. This is amazing. I'm feeling younger already. We've, yeah. run out of time. <laughs> We've run out of time today on 100 Not Out, but just remember, we always love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways, but the best way is to go to our website at www.thewellnesscouch.com slash 100 Not Out. Also, remember, if you've liked the episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. But until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill from That Paleo Show here. Would you like to dedicate 10 hours to yourself to get your nutrition, your exercise, and your mindset all on track? Would you like to do it with the Wellness Guys, the Up For A Chat Girls, and over 500 other wellness enthusiasts? Then you have to join us Saturday, August the 17th at Crown Melbourne for our next Wellness Summit. We'd love to see you there. For great group discounts and to secure your spot, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com.